have you ever watched a movie, but at the same time, it kind of feels like reality, and the TV is telling you how to live your life, and you're not allowed to go outside? Oh, so, like, every day. Yeah, seriously. It, it's pretty much exactly how we live right now. But we're not talking about uh, the coronavirus today. We are talking about wait further instructions. So hang out with us as we talk about this interesting two real movie. Right now. Whoa. <laughs> Guitar solo. All right, everybody. Thank you, Anthony. Hey, it's royalty-free. I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Anthony, for the fantastic music, since I can't edit it in because I don't have the right equipment right now. But, again, this is our second podcast together, quarantined away from each other. Um, yeah, it's, let's do a podcast, coronavirus edition. That's right. Uh, so I'm, we from, dis- I'm from the Rona. <laughs> So we decided to pick a movie that is way, way too accurate for what's happening right now. <laughs> Again, this was on our list prior to all this happening. <laughs> so, sorry if people are going to, like, spaz out on us while listening to this. But, of course, before we get to our movie, what do we normally do first, Anthony? We we have general chatter about things and such and maybe beer comes up in the part of the conversation sometimes i don't know (laughs) sometimes you know rarely but it happens especially especially at 10 o'clock in the morning like we are right now (laughs) yeah but hey hey there's nothing wrong with that if we if if some people can drink mimosas at eight o'clock in the morning we can have beer at 10 o'clock in the morning agree am i right i mean i am right it looks like orange juice so (laughs) it does it looks pretty close to orange juice (laughs) But uh, so today we are drinking virtually inseparable. There we go. Virtually I can in front of me. I know that. <laughs> Sorry, the writing is just so crazy. It distracted me. I think. But uh, it's, good. it's a good font choice. Yeah. So it's a collaboration between our friends at Turning Point and Celestial. Um, I mean, it's a very hoppy IPA, hazy good. as hell. Yeah, triple New England IPA. One of my faves. Uh, happy Triple Indiana Pale Ale brewed with Citra, Strata, Sabro hops. Uh, Sabro, Sabro, I'm not sure. It's Sabre? Like a, it's a, a, a Sabre, <laughs> uh, Saber. Saber. Um, I mean, so another thing that says on here, a virtual collaboration between two Texas breweries that are so close yet so very far. Yeah, the great thing I liked about this, so uh, I saw them, uh, I saw Celestial, uh, Celestial Beer Works, they had posted about this on Facebook, which I'm surprised, uh, one thing that surprises me is that all the all the breweries network via Facebook, mm-hmm. but I, I'm always told that Facebook is on the way out, so I was like, why are they working on Facebook? Besides that point, uh, <laughs> I saw that they were doing this, uh, doing this network, uh, or this uh, collab with Turning Point during this whole, d- during uh, the days of Verona. Uh, basically, and uh, I was like, number one, I was like, how are they doing this collab? Because uh, Celestial is like close, pretty close to downtown Dallas. Yep. And uh, Turning Point is really close. It, it well, is in Bedford, closer to where I live. Uh, so uh, I, I, it just seems like a match made in uh, heaven, though, because Celestial's got really good beers. I, I, I'm not sure what 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 is what's Celestial really known for as far as their their beer types that they do. They're hazies. They're yeah, they're, yeah, hazies. they're hazies. And I mean, they have some pretty fantastic uh, stouts too. But it's mainly yeah. I think they're hazies. And uh, and Turning Point's really known for their hazies as well. They're triple IPAs. They're New England style, West Coast style. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. So kind of seeing these two kind of get together and do a collab. It's it's. I was like, I have to get this. And so, uh, fortunately for me, Ryan goes to uh, Celestial uh, pretty, uh, more or less, pretty often. Uh, I go to Turning Point pretty often. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe on a weekly or less basis. Recently, uh, the uh, but uh, he was he was stopping by. He just mentioned he was stopping by there. We were chatting, and I was like, "Hey, if I put in an order, can you pick some of this up for me?" And he was like, "Sure." And so I was like, "All right." Boom, boom, boom. Two seconds later, I was like, "All right, I got an order for two." two- two four packs of this stuff yeah it's like i put in your name 
It's like pick it up and bring it bring it my way when you when you're in the area. So just later that day, you brought it over. I pop one of these cans open. Boom! It was like hit the taste buds. Great flavor. It really and, is. Uh, yeah, it's super good. And like I'm lucky enough that uh, I thought about just telling him my payment for bringing it over was to take take one, but luckily I didn't have to. He just gave me one. Oh. Actually, he gave me two. Yeah, it's like uh, I gave you one <laughs> plus tip. That's right. <laughs> the delivery. Uh, something that's sorry, sniffling nose. I, I'm trying to pull away. Um, oh, no worries. So really looking at it, I mean, it's so hazy. Really, it looks like orange juice. It's crazy. Um, the it's almost like in the sense of like a stout. You know how whenever you start it cold, it tastes different, and the warmer it gets, it the flavors change. Yeah, it's actually like that, which I'm pretty surprised because sometimes the the warmer a beer gets sometimes it's just not that great especially hazy ipas but this one's it's really enjoyable the more i sip on it yeah so when you look at the when you look at the flavor profile on untapped where they've got it where they've got it logged on there it they talk about it it's uh got aromas uh which i can attest to this aromas of passion fruit and mm. uh and pineapple Definitely and pineapple. the flavors of coconut mango taffy and melon when i read this i was like taffy i don't understand i don't understand uh the, the flavor of taffy can you can you taste the taffy in there taffy not really uh yeah i i didn't i didn't understand that either but i did pick up everything else yeah uh, so and the, yeah and the flavor profile it talks about it being juicy creamy uh mango fla- uh having mango flavors in there being acidic and having a good mouthfeel which I felt like that was like legit the case. Oh yeah, I mean you you seriously can taste everything that it says except for that taffy. I'm so confused. I'm yeah, trying so hard. Maybe we need uh maybe we need to hit up our friends over at Celestial and ask them what what they're talking about when they say that the talk about the taffy flavor. Maybe it has maybe it's more to do with that mouthfeel than anything else. It could be. Yeah. It's super good though. But yeah, this is uh this is a good one. This is one I this is one of the good ones I like from uh, Celestial. I haven't had I don't think I've ever had anything I didn't like from Celestial. Same. I haven't, I haven't had I haven't had everything from there, but uh, this is uh, this is on my list of favorites. So, but uh, it's like my rating for this on uh, my untapped rating for this was uh, four and a quarter out of five. That's so probably that's, which on my scale that's a very high score for me. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do. I, I've started getting yeah. a little bit pickier on my scoring because I realized at one point I was just putting everything high. I was like, okay, I need to actually like pay attention. So I've started kind of scaling it back. So that's the beer. I think we could easily talk a lot about this beer because there's a lot. Oh, happening. yeah, it's a good beer. Um, but really, I think we can both agree that if you're in the DFW area, hit up Turning Point, hit up Celestial. Both are fantastic by themselves. And yeah. together, they're super good, too. Yep. Yep, yep. All right. Are you ready to get these instructions? Uh, I'm awaiting them. All right. Well, I'll be your TV today. Um, All right. <laughs> and for the people that have not seen the movie, that's a very confusing <laughs> sentence. Yeah. So the description of Await Further Instructions on Netflix says, A family's tense reunion turns terrifying when they get trapped in their home by an unknown force and sinister commands begin appearing on their TV. Um... Honestly, that's a pretty good description. <laughs> because, yeah. like, and it seems like a very boring movie based on that description, but yeah, uh, it's a very crazy movie. It's a very crazy movie. Do you do you have a breakdown, or do we kind of just want to talk highlights of the movie? How do we want to do this one? So I can do a high level breakdown because the, so with this movie, it's a very quiet kind of like a. I, th- I think of it like if you're talking about it in like terms of like a television show, it's pretty much a bottle episode. Everybody's trapped in one place. You have a very small cast. I think in, in total there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people total in the movie all together. Are you counting the baby? Okay, eight. <laughs> but the baby's. I think the baby was not real. I think the baby was either CG or a, a doll. Yeah. Because it was kind of that was kind of the weirdest part of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I can uh, we can do the run through real quick. So this movie starts uh, Sam Gittins as Nick, uh, David Bradley as the grandfather. Uh, those of you Potterheads out there, those of you potheads out there, <laughs> uh, may know him as Argus Finch from the Harry Potter movies. 
Oh, that's how I knew him. Yeah. He's a very, he's a very, uh, if you're looking for a British, a crotchety old British man, you're either going to hire Bill Nye or uh, David Bradley. (laughs) So uh, David Bradley is like the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, not the groundskeeper, that's Hagrid, but he's like the, uh, uh, basically the crotchety old dude in, uh, in uh, the Harry Potter movies. Um, Nirja, uh, Nirja Nike. Uh, plays plays Angie, who is uh, Nick's girlfriend. Uh, Holly Weston, who plays Kate, aka the mom. Uh, Grant Masters, who plays Tony, aka dad. Uh, Ab, uh, Ab Abigail Cruttenden, uh, who plays Beth, the uh, Nick's sister, and then Chris Sadler, who plays Scott, uh, and that's Nick's brother-in-law. Those are all the characters in the movie. You don't see anything. You don't see anybody else. The only other people you see are the people are other people's cars basically in the very beginning of the movie. And that's very small cast. Uh, very, uh, this was done on a micro budget. Uh, yeah. and when I, when I read about this, um, but, uh, it's opening uh, the opening credit card here. Uh, the first thing you see before you see anything else is this, it just says, uh, so the, uh, first thing you see in the beginning of the movie is this opening credit card. It's in that teletype format that you were going to get really familiar with throughout the course of this thing. But I thought it was really interesting. They stuck it in the front. Uh, so the quote they put up there uh, is, it's the things you love that kill you. And I was like, ooh, okay. So that's foreboding. So, and particularly as you, as you see that this is just about a family drama. So I was like, all right. So it's the things you love that kill you. It's going to be like your family kills you. So so maybe it's just setting the stage for everything. So if those, the set the stage as described uh, as described in our uh, uh, high-level description of the movie is the holidays. Uh, Nick and his girlfriend Angie are driving to. Uh, it shows them driving to their parents' house. They're, I, I, I'm guessing, they're like living in London or something. Mm-hmm. Driving out to their, uh, driving out to the whatever hamlet in England they live in, uh, that his family lives in. They get there. Uh, we learn that Nick hasn't seen his family in a long time because he has disagreements with them. Uh, we learn that Angie is. In the medical profession, uh, we we uh, we learn we start we learn very quickly that uh, <laughs> Nick's family is kind of kind of racist, racist like British racist kind of, where they're like racist against like uh, Indian people, I guess, and uh, people from the Middle East. So uh, particularly the grandfather, uh, the Mister uh, Mister Filch <laughs> from uh, from oh, the Harry God. Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, back in my day, we wouldn't let these blah 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 in, into our country. And I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah. It's like, is it? I was like, is it just the grandfather that's the jerk? Uh, we uh, we we see the uh, the mom's very nice, sweet as hell. Uh, we but we uh, we keep going. That kind of sets the stage, and there, it's basically he's afraid of this because Angie is she's she's of Indian descent. She's British, but she's like her family's from India. Uh, all this wraps up. The sister comes in, and we find out there's this argument uh, over over all this stuff because there's uh, terrorist attacks going on. There's all this other stuff going on in the background. Power's flickering. Very, uh, very not great stuff. That's just kind of setting the stage for everything. Uh, Nick and Angie decide they're going to leave because of all this kind of, like, weird, uh, kind of, like, under-the-surface racist sentiment going on in this family. Uh, no, so it's, it's very much, like, blatant racism. <laughs> it's, it is pretty racist, actually. I'm under, I'm under, I'm very much underplaying you. It. You really are. <laughs> so they uh, so they decide they're gonna leave early uh, the next morning. They they sleep there and it's like uh, you know bad decision number one. They should have left just like right then. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how differently differently things would have turned out, but they yeah. wouldn't have been stuck there at least. So uh, they uh, they get up in the morning. They're about to leave, and what do we see? But this weird, mysterious black substance is blocking the doors, the windows, the uh, everything. Basically, it's all blocking everything, and so they're trapped in the house. And it sets the stage for basically the rest of the movie. So we see that they turn on the TV, and it's the TV says, "Stay inside, await further instructions." Roll credits, because <laughs> the, the title of the movie there. <laughs> Uh, another thing that another thing we need to know is that Angie has the flu. She had the flu from before. She was sneezing and coughing and stuff like that. Um, which you know, is it the Rona? I don't know. Uh, I was thinking so. Yeah, this movie came out in 2019, so probably not. <laughs> but uh, the basically what sets the state what this sets the stage for is the TV starts issuing instructions to the family, 
and it becomes this power struggle between uh, Nick, Nick's father, and Nick. They're basically the two poles here. And you have on one side, you have Nick's uh, father, uh, Tony, and Scott. Uh, very early in the movie, uh, Scott, that's, uh, that's Nick's sister's husband. Yeah, Tony goes to Scott and he says, hey, are you with me? Because uh, he's basically like, uh, like Tony, the father, he's got this like weird complex with his dad because his dad calls him Squelcher, is like or keeps referring to him as Squelcher. Yeah. And his uh, grandfather, he's like an asshole because he's like basically like, you know, you should be tougher. You should do this. You should do that. You should raise your children this way. And basically Tony's got a complex about it. And he's he's like he's got to be super tough to prove his dad wrong that he actually is tough when his dad says he's a coward and all this that and the other. Uh, so he's like trying to take this firm stance. It's like we have to be strong. We have to uh, we have to do this. We have to do that. We have to do what the TV says. It's like it's the government. So uh, he gets Scott. He gets him wrapped up in this whole thing and says, "Hey, you're gonna support me, whatever whatever happens." And he's like, Scott's like, "I'm on board 100." Uh, percent So first thing the TV says, throw out all your food. It's contaminated. So they take all the food, their whole Christmas feast that they're eating at the time, and they chuck it. They just chuck it all out in the garbage because they, they, it's because uh, it's contaminated apparently. Yeah, Next thing it tells the them is, hey, "Yeah, because the TV says so." Uh, then it's like uh, I think it follows up with that they have to scrub with bleach, like because they're because they're saying their skin's contaminated. Yeah. So they all go into their individual rooms. They scrub with bleach. Uh, the 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 mom is like trying to like rekindle a little romance uh, in there and he, she gets very rebuffed by tony very hard it's kind of harsh yeah that was a pretty rough scene honestly i was like damn <laughs> yeah and then the next one then was one the, weird, uh, the unsterilized needles i was like yeah. whoa that's like that was crazy to me because uh, like anybody with like any semblance of any medical knowledge whatsoever is like if there's a needle that's like comes in like it's not sealed and it's not and it's not sanitized it's like dude don't put that at me yep the dad pretty like much forces always... everybody to take it, like out of right. pretty like much a... everybody doesn't want to, but the dad forces it them on to, to do it. Um, yeah, if anybody's ever been to a dare rally, don't use use needles. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see what what was the next one. It was what was the next command? I don't remember. Well, well, that wasn't. But before we get to the next command, though, uh, so they put the va- this trial vaccine into into them, and oh yeah, the, the grandpa. Dad dies the grandfather dies like he throws up this black viscous goop and then he just like keels over and dies yeah that's right they just wrap him up in a sheet and they put him in the spare bedroom they put her in they but they put him in angie's bedroom yeah he's like showing a lot of respect for her right so they put the they they uh take the needles and then they have to put them back in the slot they have to return them so they can get the used needles to the next family down the street i guess and uh we start getting our first bit of first bit of gore and that's scott losing like what he loses like three three or four he loses like all four of his fingers yeah i think he loses the the three middle fingers so all he has is the pinky and the thumb yeah so he can do a little hang loose sign and that's about (laughs) it that's right (laughs) so they uh he loses his fingers because he's trying to like see what's going on outside the thing basically slams shut and cuts off his fingers ow ouchie yeah, Ouchie. it's a pretty gross scene, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they get him. Uh, Angie gets him sewn up. Uh, they they put a, the bandage on there, so he's got the bandage for the rest of the movie. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I put a comment in here that uh, Tony. Uh, so throughout this, Tony's like an office manager, basically, uh, and that's and he gets he's been getting criticized for being a clerk by his father. Yeah. And I was like, Tony, Tony must be a terrible manager. Cause he's doing a terrible job here. Oh my God. He's so terrible. So bad. Yeah. Um, so okay. I, so I don't know if get orders from this guy, <laughs> lots of small little details that quite don't matter in my mind. And then I think really the next big thing is the next command, right? Well, so like in, in this, we kind of see, some inter- internal drama before we get to the next command is that like everybody's starting to break down. Tony like he completely breaks after his father dies. Oh yeah, and, and he's like starting he's just freaking out. And we kind of see that progress down. Uh, the mom starts like kind of breaking. Uh, it's like everybody's just kind of losing their connection to reality. Uh, but the next command, you're right, is that some one one of your number is contaminated. Isolate them. Yeah, uh, isolate. What did it say? Isolate like the infected one. Yeah, it's like so. One of your command is uh, one of your 
whenever your number is infected, isolate them. I believe is what the term, the ter- those, what they are told. Yeah. And so everybody just kind of turns and looks at Angie because she had a had the flu. She has a cold. Yep. So they all look at her, and I was like, okay, cool. You guys are super racist. <laughs> so, so they isolate her in the bedroom with the dead father. Yeah, with the dead granddad. Yeah. Which I was like, fine. Yeah. Uh, then there's this whole conversation about uh, between Nick and Angie. Angie's locked in her bedroom. Uh, Nick and Angie have this conversation about uh, the TV. About they think the TV is like there's something up with the TV. They don't think yeah. it's the government. And plug the TV, and uh, it starts this big tussle between Nick, Scott, and the dad. Basically, they plug in the TV. This t- TV's like blaring red, sending out an alarm, basically saying, "Disturbing with the signal, uh, the emergency signal will cost lives." They end up wrestling uh, Nick, and they end up ending up end up fighting and getting upstairs. Uh, Beth, the sister, Which, gets uh, tied up in the fight. I mean, why the fuck does she even go upstairs to get in the middle right. of this fight when she's pregnant? I think too. she was trying to break it up. Yeah, but still, but like... she ends up she ends up getting pushed over the banister and down onto the ground floor by Sky. Oh yeah, and like her leg like snaps in half. Yeah, Ugh. she's got like a bone sticking out through her thigh. Ugh. It's like a compound fracture. That was like probably, other than the fingers being cut off, that was like probably one of the grosser points of the movie. Really, I had to look away. I was like, oh god. The uh, so she's basically and uh, she's basically fading in and out. And this is where I feel like the dad like not completely breaks, but it's like like another straw on that camel's back. He's basically he's they're basically like we gotta get Angie. We gotta do something. He's like we're not letting Angie out. She's isolated. Uh, and I'm going to go in my office and go do some work. Yeah. And he's just like, and leaves. Because he's like, basically like, I can't deal with this. I'm leaving. So, uh, and the mom keeps cracking. She's cracking more and more. Uh, the, uh, then we see Nick, uh, Nick's basically sneaking around the house and he sticks his phone out through the hole where the, uh, bathroom is. Cause he notices the water's still getting in out of the bathroom. Yeah. And so it's like, there's a way to get out of this house. So he's like, he, he basically takes his phone on us, puts it on a mop handle and sticks it through a hole and takes video of outside. And we see that there is like some weird cable tentacle thing outside on the video. The whatever it is on the TV basically says, hey, there's a perimeter breach. Somebody's trying to sneak out of the house. Uh, they go they, Everybody downstairs thinks, oh, it's Nick. So they go up there, they get Nick and they basically start. They have to like basically interrogate him. As if he's like a terrorist. Yeah, because I think also the TV also said something about uh, uh, extract that, information. Yeah, extract information from traitor or something like that, and they're like, it has to be Nick from sleeper agent. Yeah, yeah, sleeper agent. That's right. So yeah, then the dad starts interrogating him, like cutting him, and like he's about to like pull out his eyeball. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's about to be, he's about to be, basically take this big long screwdriver and pry his eyeball out of his head when the mom screams and we find out Kate just died. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> and so she basically shames Tony into like just like stopping, at least for now, into to stopping his craziness. Yeah. Uh they uh they go uh they go and they do some more stuff, but the next thing we the next big thing is that Basically, the uh, the TV says that the have to they have to purge the isolation rooms. So they basically basically start pumping smoke mm-hmm. into those rooms, and so we see uh, we see a figure on the TV is basically showing skulls and crossbones on their house layout, which weird. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, guess who's upstairs? Angie's upstairs. So Nick goes and like trying to open the door. The door is locked. The uh, the dad has the keys. Dad's like basically catatonic at this point. Uh, they get the key. Uh, they basically figure out that he's got a spare set of keys in the kitchen. Uh, they go get the keys. They unlock the door and they let Angie out just as smoke reaches her. But oh, what do we what do we find out? Uh, the mom had gone to use the upstairs bathroom. She's uh, now stuck in the room because the door is jammed. Uh, the smoke reaches her. It starts like kind of burning her skin. And then uh, before they can get her out of the room, because they're trying to break down the glass door for the bathroom, she explodes. So Mama's dead now. So we now got three down and uh, four left. 
uh, think they didn't. Then I think the next thing we see is that the TV comes back on and it's showing this weird Corona effect on there now. And the TV basically thinks it's God. Did you get that vibe too? Yeah. Definitely. So the, 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 TV, the, the TV basically starts this whole thing where it's like basically declaring itself God. The, uh, the, uh, Nick and Angie, they go and, uh, go into the other room and, uh, basically says, uh, Scott gets convinced that the TV is God too, because it says that Ruby, uh, we, well, earlier we found out the name, the names they were going to pick for the, uh, baby. And it keeps flashing the names of the baby that they had chosen. So he's like, how would the T how could the TV know the TV must be God because it, it, there's, there's a chance that the TV is going to be able to help us still, uh, they go in the other room. They have their, their chat. I think. Uh, I think until at one point the they rudely find out they're rudely awakened to the fact that the uh, TV is demanding a sacrifice to save the baby, yeah. to save Beth's baby. So who are they going to sacrifice? Freaking poor Angie is going to get sacrificed because she's because she's now the other. Uh, they uh, Nick's base not Nick but uh, Tony's got an axe. He's gonna kill Angie. Uh, everything gets basically basically everybody starts fighting again. Uh, Scott ends up getting the axe, and they kill Scott. Yeah. Um, I think Angie at one point gets hit by the axe too, and uh, the uh, <laughs> this is where things kind of devolve into craziness. Uh, the uh, the whatever it is that's wrapped around the house starts like kind of starts coming in. There's like cables shooting out of the TV. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony dies at one point because like he falls on the floor and then Nick drops the TV on him. They go hide in the other room. Uh, the cables like reach into the back of Nick, uh, Tony's head. Oh my God. And he's like, he gets picked up by the thing and he's like holding it, holding the X and he's like a, basically a, a cable zombie. Yeah. Or some, some sort. And, Man, it's hard to describe this. Basically, basically, long story short, they uh, they all get wrapped up by the cables. Nick, Angie, uh, Nick, and Tony's dead, but he's like a zombie of some sort. Nick and Angie, Nick and Angie get wrapped up by the cables. Tony kills them, and then the cables basically wrap around Beth's dead body and burn her skin away. To all we see is like a weird, a weird like science class skeleton. Yeah, that was really bad. The baby, yeah, with the baby just sitting in the middle. And uh, now the new host for this Paris, we we end up finding out it's a parasite. Whatever these things are, the host for this parasite is now young baby Ruby, that the the TV is now like just doing teletype at. Which I'm like, the baby can't read. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the baby's staring at the pretty colors because it's showing a very nice pretty color thing for the baby. But yeah. the baby's kind of laying there. And so like I'm left more with more questions than anything else. I'm like. Can this alien thing like feed the baby? Can it take care of the baby? Is or is the baby just that's a lot of responsibility? <laughs> yeah, like even for a even for some weird interdimensional Lovecraftian horror, <laughs> this uh, this uh, I was like, this thing's I don't know if it's ready for this responsibility here. Oh no! It's like it, it basically it's basically it was basically like a really bad game of The Sims where everybody ends up killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's like, it's like when you play The Sims and you get rid of all was it when you put the, put everybody in the pool and then you get rid of the ladder and everybody drowns. Yeah, that's basically what ended up happening for this. Exactly. Space that, alien that, is, that is the freaking movie right there. Yeah, so we get no answers as to what's going on. We just know that it happened. Which, you know, there is something to be said for that because we are our, our viewpoint into this exists with the characters primarily. Uh, so we don't find out too much, except we do find out that they are not the only uh, home that's being affected in this way. Uh, this is apparently spread to all the other homes, at least in their neighborhood. So we, we see this as like this weird cable... Uh, growth or whatever is like all over the place and we see some houses have the tvs still on you can see it shining out the windows some houses don't there's fires which uh, here i just want to say how is it shining out the windows if the windows are blocked i know right <laughs> that's just saying but so yeah anyways that's pretty much the end of that movie um i before we get into the other parts of like what we like, what we dislike. I have two reviews that I want to read, which if you look it up, there are lots of horrible, horrible reviews on this movie. There's barely any good ones. Um, the title of this one says pure garbage. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
the acting is infuriating. The storyline insults the viewer's intelligence. An entire movie is garbage. It's pretty hilarious. Um, I mean, even the good ones still say, go watch something else. Somebody uh-huh. said that they thought it was hilarious because the family was very bad acting. One person says that the acting was the best part. And someone said, it's a good time if you want to waste your life. So so those are pretty much the reviews online for it. <laughs> uh, Anthony, what one thing did you enjoy from this movie? So, you know, there is not a lot to this movie. Again, this is, uh, this is a very, very small budget movie where it's basically seven actors and actresses uh, in, a, in a, basically on a set that's just a house. And you just have some existential threat that you don't really see all that much. It's basically just a TV. Uh, so it's like the family and the TV. So you got to make the the threat. You got to make it with the this with any movie. If you have just like this like basically a static background, uh, think of like a, I think this is a bad example. Remember that movie, The Happening, that uh, M Night Shyamalan did? Yes. Where it's basically like the wind was like the evil thing that was coming to kill everybody. Yep. You got to make do with what you have, uh, particularly in a micro budget movie like this. Uh, and in, in this micro budget movie, they made do with the uh, the existential threat was this weird metal metallic thing on the outside, but it didn't do anything. It was just a static background. So I feel like the thing I liked about this was the acting because it wasn't the threat. The true threat wasn't the wasn't this weird alien presence. It was the family, which they established themselves as a threat. Like from the beginning of the movie, they were a threat to Nick and Angie. Uh, because they were very hostile to them, even though the mom was trying to like kind of smooth things over the entire time. Yeah, it just con- continued to be a bigger and bigger threat, and that was well acted out by the actor that played Tony, the dad, uh, and uh, to a much shorter extent the uh, the grandfather. And they just kind of poisoned the relationships. And as the threat or the Im- Im- imposition of that outside threat kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Tony just kind of like kept cracking more and more into the pressure and becoming a bigger and bigger threat to the point where he kill ends up killing Nick and Angie. Yep. So he ends up he ends up starting is not a bit much of a threat. It's almost like uh, the movie Psycho, where like the big threat is in, in the movie Psycho. The big threat is like these ghosts that are haunting the hotel. Yeah. But it ends up being uh, ends up being like the the main character uh, Jack Nicholson's character who ends up being the one who like kills everybody because he mm-hmm. just goes crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like the acting, it was really, I actually thought it was really well done because you just see this slow ratcheting up of the tension and the slow ratcheting up of the threat from the family and uh, with with primarily Tony. And then you have the swaying back and forth of Scott's character. I felt it was pretty believable for somebody in crisis and without like a guiding compass because they're just like, they've lost all connection to the outside world. I agree. So they have no, they have no more moral relativism to judge them, their actions against. So I felt like the acting was great. I that that is actually what I have too for it is my favorite part was the acting was incredible but I think they had to because they knew that's all they can rely on right like, there was nothing else no there was really nothing else so the acting was super good I I loved the acting it really sold the movie uh at the beginning <laughs> yeah um so I guess let's talk about the thing that we disliked most, I would, I'm going to put the ending, where we actually see what the, what's happening, you know, the 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 parasite, the the thing inside the TVs, it ruined the movie for me. I I enjoyed it up to that moment. I was like, this is, I, did they really just go this way? Like that's, it's so bad. Well, you see, you, you see that with a lot of movies where you have this like just the 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 imp- in, uh, imply uh, was it what's the correct word for this but the in 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 the the implying of a threat yeah you don't actually see the threat but you're implying that the threat is so the threat exists only in your mind because you never actually see it but as soon as you see it it's now this one defined thing yeah and it's like I, it looks like it looks like this weird uh it looks like this weird claymation almost i mean you think of like a 1980s like a uh, evil dead claymation uh where you have like this, these weird uh these weird cables kind of flailing around I honestly, whenever I was watching it, I was hoping that they would leave it at um, unknown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, you don't know what it was. I, I was really hoping for that, but then they showed well, us yeah. and we we're like, really? Yeah, when you, yeah, 
when you see the threat like that, you go you got to stick the landing to maintain some credibility in your movie. And, they do and if you if you don't stick that landing, then it's like every, any credibility you've built throughout the movie of this threat is just like out the window. Yep. Which hey, I still in my mind I was in my mind I was still thinking what would I do in the situation? I would still freak out because there's you can't get anywhere. You can't even if this is like a weird cable monster. I would I was still in my mind I was like what would I do in this situation? I was like, I would do what these people are doing. You basically, all you can do is like kind of cower into the corner because you can't get anywhere else. So was the monster threatening? Yeah, because it's like this omnipotent cable thing kind of just coming out of everywhere to get you. But it's like, it still like looked silly in how they did it. Yeah, I, I didn't like from, it. From, from the relative safety of my home. Yes. Uh, what about you, Anthony? What did you not like about the movie? Uh, so the, I kind of, kind of on the same, same stream of thought that you had there, the, yeah, the first half of that movie was great, very well done of ratcheting up the tension, but the, uh, and particularly of the use of the TV to kind of issue instructions to kind of like drive the narrative of, and explore the dynamics of the family. Right. But as soon as, cause it really reminded me of, have you ever seen like the YouTube video, the creepy pasta stuff of like, don't look at the moon where it's basically like. Uh, simulation it's uh, i'm gonna use the word simulation but it's not really it but it's basically using that teletype thing of like Mm -hmm. don't look at the moon and people are like going crazy and just kind of tells a story through that use of teletype uh so that drove the narrative very well that's i guess that's the second thing i like not really i think i didn't like Uh, but the uh it's the the monster reveal kind of like just drives the story weird and the uh the use of the baby i guess as the new host of this parasite hmm. because basically we basically we have this one part of the story turns on the monster is not going to kill Nick and Angie because it's the only ones they're the only ones who are going to be able to watch the monster anymore and so the monster won't kill them but it's like almost like without telling us anything it's like the monster kind of turns on his heels like wait the baby the baby's still alive so it's like almost like the monster is like another character and he's like huh I didn't think about this and he's like never mind I'm just going to kill you yeah uh, but we don't. But we don't have any narrative uh, or any vo- vo- vocality or any. It, basically, we don't get anything from the monster that says it has this realization. Right. It just is like. It's just like it's just like I'm not gonna kill you, and it's like wait a second, I'm just gonna kill you. <laughs> so we don't get anything that tells us uh, until we we have to piece it together in our minds that the reason that Nick and Angie were killed is because of Ruby. Uh. We're, we're left to figure that out for ourselves. At least I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that whole weird turnaround where Nick and Angie are killed because Ruby's are still alive. Um, so that was it was just kind of a we- little bit of weirdness there. Yeah. So in a, in a roundabout way, it's me saying uh, the whole turn the whole ending <laughs> just didn't vibe very well for me. It was just no. they didn't stick the, like you said they didn't stick the landing very well. So. Um, who was your MVP of the movie? So my MVP of the movie was, uh, was the mom was, uh, was uh, not Beth. What's her name? Kate. She held together so well. She was trying yep. to paper over all their differences there until the, uh, until the, even to the, even like she started falling apart towards the end. Like when, uh, but like she was keeping it together when she was still alive uh, I think there was a one part of the movie where they were at each other's throats, and she start came in and started singing Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. I think if she had made it to the end of the movie, it may not, and things may not have ended too differently. Because again, the monster's yeah. this weird, omnipresent force outside that's going to kill everybody. But the uh, uh, Kate, the mom, I feel like she did a really good job in trying to trying to keep the family unified and together, uh, in, uh, particularly in the face of this threat, in the face of. Uh, family members dying in the face of her it, it, when it came time for her to tell her husband what a dick he was she did it but as, as soon as she kind of served that narrative purpose i think she they, they killed her off um so but my mvp for the movie is kate uh uh yeah that's a good one yeah honestly i think mine is the girlfriend i don't remember her name angie angie she because she also held it together really well. She yeah. really did. Like, even in super stressful situations, whether it was people saying racist shit at her, 
to quarantining her to like, just all the because she went through a lot of shit even though she wasn't in a lot of the movie you know what i mean yeah because there's good portions where she was just like chilling in the room but she was still doing her part of like investigating and and then whenever she did get out like she acted like they were actually family like she was helping them and doing things i was just like this girl's like fucking right. awesome like so she she's mine. like they're not her family, but she treated them like family the exactly. entire time. Whereas they treated her like the other the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if you were to watch it, most people's first reactions would be the the son, the um I don't remember his name, the girlfriend's uh, Nick. Yeah, Nick. Nick. I can't remember people's names. I'm so bad at it. I feel like he's like he's obviously an MVP, but. I think these are like the the underdog MVPs, really. The the ones that don't oh, see, get enough of the credit. I feel like Nick was just so reactionary. He just kinda reacted to whatever was going on. I think I feel like Kate and Angie really kinda drove they they, they drove the discovery of what was going on here. Whereas yeah. with Kate, Kate kinda was like keeping everybody together and from like killing each other, like in the first couple of parts of the movie. And then Angie was kinda like at the forefront of figuring out what the hell was going on. Yeah. Uh, whereas Nick was just kind of reacting to whatever happened to him out there. That's true. So I feel like, uh, like outside of, outside of Beth, who was, she was, she was a jerk. Uh, the, the women in this movie kind of carried, uh, did the, did the heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, whereas they, where they may not have gotten the most screen time, they were kind of keeping everything, uh, keeping everybody alive. I yeah. think as, as long as they could. So, um, better than hardcore henry oh this is a this is a hard uh this is a hard decision because uh, this is is a real apples and oranges comparison but uh would i watch this over uh, hardcore henry uh having watched this and having watched hardcore henry i would still watch this movie over hardcore henry i think i would too that's actually, yeah, that is a hard one. But I do think I would watch this over Hardcore Henry because I didn't feel sick while watching it. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. I there was the nausea in Hardcore Henry yeah. that I forgot about. Yeah, yeah. It was not. Uh, I mean, while there is some gore in this movie, I didn't get nauseous from that. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, cheers or party foul for you, Anthony? Uh, you know, in this, uh, it's hard to really make that uh, make that dis- uh, decision right now because. One of the, the this is this movie is like really really and let's face it's about this family being kind of quarantined and having just get just getting information from outside and we're very much in a similar situation <laughs> yes now, to the extent that they are we're not trapped in our houses I can still go outside go to the grocery store yeah uh, but I would still say uh, it's it's oddly relevant it's I mean it's not the best horror movie in the world uh, it's not the best movie in the world uh, but I it's oddly relevant uh, and it, it's kind of a little bit of escapism with a realistic, uh, with a realistic situation, somewhat semi-realistic situation. So I would say cheers. Interesting. Uh, I'm actually going to say party foul for me. And okay. it's because that ending, you like, like we were saying, you have to, for what you build it up to be, it has to be a perfect bad guy. If you're going to show it. And, Oh yeah. It yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. deliver. It just didn't. First and that ruined movie- it ruined the whole movie for me. It really did. First three quarters of the movie is like, for me, is like a B plus. The last, like, the last, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes is like D minus. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is like, I I would have said cheers if they would have left it unknown. Yeah. But to make it so bad and stupid of an ending ruined it. Though I feel like it was just a waste of a movie. Yeah, I really did. I was very you know. disappointed because I, I really, I was caught. I was into it. I was watching it. I was like, this is so interesting. I'm, in, I'm wondering what's happening. And then they show it and you're like, fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, he could have done so much. It's like, uh, it's like, what's that scene in Star Wars? You were the chosen one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I was so frustrated. <laughs> All right. Are we done with it? Are we done with the movie? Anything else? uh let's see do we have anything else here do check the notes anthony check about? the notes is there anything noteworthy about this movie that we should really uh, discuss no nah, i feel like we already hit it all or at least i did okay all right all right so yeah that's 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 all for all that right, so we are uh, done. Ryan, you have, 
with that yeah, talking about that movie so hey if you want to watch this movie uh we didn't mention this earlier but it's on netflix yeah so yeah netflix that's that's where we, that's where we found it i think that's i think that's the other that's the other thing i forgot to mention is how did we find out about this movie it is on netflix oh yeah so we found out um, so maybe we need to edit that and put it in, put it in the front of the movie. Oh, that's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. So we found out about this movie on Netflix. The N- the Netflix. <laughs> um. So I guess uh, are we moving on to what we're enjoying? Yeah. What are What are you enjoying, Ryan? So what I'm enjoying this week it's the show on Hulu called Worth It. So the episodes it's a TV series. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's from Tasty. I don't. I don't remember. Anyways, um, so the show is called Worth It. It's uh, uh. So what they do is they go eat food from the cheapest they can find to the most expensive they can find of the same thing. So like that we just watched was they had hamburger. It was like a five dollar hamburger to like over a thousand dollar hamburger, uh, and they had so it's like a a cheap. Uh, in between and a super expensive and they're like 15 minute episodes too mm-hmm. so it's it's actually really fun and actually kind of got us thinking and we're just like man we need to like because really pretty much all the places that they would pick that would be the worth it winner of this like price versus quality it's always like the m- middle one or the cheap one like yeah. it's pretty rare that they actually pick the expensive one um but it's just kind of, I mean, I think we texted you guys, Anthony, uh, just saying, hey, we got to go try, like, X food, this food, that food. Because we're just like, we're just like, oh, man, there's so much food out there that we're ready to try. You know, it, it really makes sense to me now because you uh, texted us about Korean barbecue. And I'd seen the Korean yes. barbecue episode of that show, which is really good. Oh, my God. The episode was amazing. We saw it we're like, oh, God. But at the same time, it makes us really miss going out into the world. <laughs> yeah. But it's been, I mean, we, I, we pretty much binged, I think there's six or seven seasons right now. They're still making more. And I think we just finished that. Uh, so really, I recommend it. It's a fun, quick little episode for you to watch if you're doing something. You don't have to sit there and watch the whole thing and just listen to it. So really, I, I do recommend that. It, it, it's a fun, fun show. Yeah. So what about you, Anthony? What are you enjoying? So my thing I'm enjoying, so I've been going through, uh, so, so one of the things, an uh, interesting thing that's uh, happened for me at work is that, uh, with everybody being out of the office, everybody telecommuting, uh, the, our, our executive assistant, who's kind of like over our entire department for, she works for our VP of our department. Right. She still tries to do a lot of these initiatives where she kind of says, uh, it's a lot of morale and, uh, uh, stuff building for the team. And one of the things she uh, re- she recently uh, put out to us was, hey, let me know what your favorite song is, uh, like for work to like pump you up or chill you out or whatever. And I'm gonna build a uh, build basically a, a playlist uh, of the team's favorite songs. And I was huh. like, number one, I was like, man, that's gonna be like a completely disjointed thing because everybody's <laughs> gonna come from a different direction with this. Uh, but I really then then I'd sit down. I was like, all right, I like so many different pieces of music. What would I really share with uh, share with them? Uh, if I respond to this, what would I really share with them? And I did, I did give a response that I picked a song that's like one of my favorite songs. But it made me think about what genre is the song. So the song I, the song I sent them was uh, a place of my own from a band called Monkeyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I was like, what is this? And so it's like this weird fusion of jazz and hip hop. And so I, I went and started digging into it because I never really thought about it. I just like like the band. And it's like it comes. This is a whole genre called jazz hop. So my thing of the week is just jazz hop music in general. Interesting. Uh, so the 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 main band, I the the primary band I listen to. It's a very it's a band that only put out two albums uh, before, uh, and uh, like the last one came out in 2016 called Monkeyer. But another uh, popular, uh, probably the more, most popular version of this that you could probably find is a tribe called West. They've released several uh, albums that can be considered in the jazz hop genre. Okay, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, just like jazz hop music is like, and uh, we could probably insert like maybe uh, maybe a few seconds of that in here if we uh, if we if we if we so desire if we're able to. I can't remember. I can't remember if that's a capability we have. Uh, I mean, if we were in person, probably. But I'll see what I can do. Oh. I'll All see right. if, what my edi- editing skills can do. You gotta work that editing prowess. Woo. That's right. Get my mind but, going. Uh, 
It's like I'll play it at that or I can play it over the microphone, <laughs> over my microphone. That's not terrible, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, so like jazz hop music, it's like it's like this like, again, it's this weird fusion of hip hop and jazz, and it's just kind of like you would think these things wouldn't go together that well because you have like the chill vibes of like some like smoother jazz with just like some of the more uh, hoppy uh, kind of like energetic vibes of like a, of a rap. And it's kind of like, it's music that can pump you up and like chill you out at the same time. It, yeah. it's, it's, for me, it's really good focus music. So uh, that's my, uh, that's my thing of the week is jazz hop music in general. Awesome. So, uh, so for that, I remind people, please rate, subscribe, comment, do your thing. Hey, follow us on social media. Uh, put a, give us five stars on the, on the podcast here and, right, and give us, give us feedback. Yeah. And you can find us on Twitter at let's tweet a pod. Facebook is let's do a podcast. Uh, Instagram is let's Instapod. You can follow, um, I think we yeah, if are. If you want to follow Ryan. Oh, go ahead. Uh, you can find us on any streaming platform. If you don't find us there, let me know. I'll throw us on there. Uh, it's hard to keep track of all these different places that people listen to shit. So, yeah, if you and I'll throw this out there. If you want to follow Ryan directly, he's uh, at Beer with Purpose yeah. on most of these platforms. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at AE Beanbag Seven on most of these platforms. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, follow us, give us feedback, don't stalk us, please. Please, or <laughs> if you want to, it's whatever. I don't care. Uh, if you have any movie recommendations, please uh, throw them at us. Yeah. Any beer recommendations, we'll do it. Uh, always love to try to engage with some people. So, anyways, uh, what's our next movie, Anthony? So, our next movie in our selection, in the theme of movies that have to do with being locked up in your house <laughs> all the time, apparently, is, uh, drumroll please, the, prime, the movie on Amazon Prime, Killer Sofa. Killer Sofa. Killer so sofa. get ready, because I'll be talking a lot more in that one, which is pretty rare for our podcast. So anyways, guys, I hope that you had a great time. I know we did. And we will check in you guys later. All right. I'm Anthony. I'm Ryan. All right. Let's end the podcast. Wow.